Property and real estate. It's the physical infrastructure intertwining billions of lives worldwide. From shops to schools, homes to businesses, we revolve in and out of these community spaces daily. Hello, I'm Alicia Tank. I'm an investor, broadcaster and coach, and you're listening to the Accenture Enterprise Transformation Podcast. Now in this series, I'm honored to talk to leaders from Accenture and their partners. Together we explore how every part of every business can be transformed by technology, data, and AI, combined with new ways of working and new opportunities for growth. So we look at how cloud is the enabler, data is the driver, and AI is the differentiator, and how combined they'll shift the way that we work, rest, and play into high gear. Well, that's certainly the case for this episode, because we're exploring one of the world's least disrupted areas. It is property. The real estate industry is up against a slew of challenges like climate change and shifting demographics, not to mention the debilitating impact of the COVID pandemic. So for an industry that makes up 40% of the global economy, it is time for an update. Now, one firm that's taken bold steps in that direction is Lendlease. It's a global real estate company that has helped deliver some of the world's most iconic properties. Lendlease is working with Accenture on a range of digital solutions, and that is the subject of our podcast today. So we're going to find out how they've done it, what the partnership looks like, and what's coming next. So joining me is William Ruhr. He's CEO of Lendlease Digital. From Cisco to General Electric, Bill has been digitally disrupting businesses over a really long and established career, and now he's put his skills to property. Bill, it's great to have you on the line. I don't mean to make you sound old, but you've been in this business a really long time, right? I have been. I have been. But I've been fortunate to work at some great companies and uh, and see this digital transformation occur in other industries. And more importantly, I'm excited to be working in the property market because it's our time to uh, to to transform and disrupt. Well, that's always really exciting, and I'm I'm really keen to hear how you're doing it. In a moment, we will also speak with Amit Bansal. He's AI execution and data-led transformation lead for Accenture Growth Markets. He's got more than 28 years experience, and he's also an expert at helping teams embrace the impact of the digital shift. A very warm welcome to you, Amit. How's it going? Thank you uh, for inviting me to this podcast. Really excited. You make me sound old too. Um, and, you know, most of the work that we are doing with clients, or at least I'm doing, is really been around really trying to push them to, to, to do something unique, something different, using technology to really change the way that they do business. That's what I do every day, and I love doing that. So I'm really glad to, to share my thoughts today. It's always really nice to meet someone who loves what they do. And I'm not trying to make the both of you sound old. I just think you've got lots of wisdom and lots of experience and you're about to share it. So with that, Bill, let's start with you. I mean, I've talked about how already, you know, this is one of the least disrupted industries, which suggests that there was a transformation in the making, right? It needed to come. Uh, what I'm quite curious though about is, would it have happened without COVID? Was it, was it time for the property industry to be disrupted? The way I look at this digital transformation is that every industry is going, is, has gone through it or will go through it. It's sort of like a series of dominoes. It's just a question is which, in which order the dominoes are going to fall. So 20 years ago, the telco industry went through a ma major shift. You know, consumer online went through a major shift, retail. And then we saw manufacturing in the last decade go through a major shift. It just so happens that now is the time for, the property market to go through it. And I think what, when you think about why the demo, dominoes fall, it comes down to, you have to have two things. You've got to have a bit of a crisis 
that comes out. And it may have been the global financial crisis last time that drove some shifts. In our case, it was really COVID and the change in property. But then you have to have the economics of the technology reach a point where it, it's actually uh, affordable. And if you think about at spaces, um, you got to put a lot of sensors in, you got to put a lot of technology in to all these places. And the price points of the sensors and technology just wasn't there. But mobile technology and the, and the cloud has driven costs to where it's now affordable. And I think, Manisha, that's why the domino for property is about to fall. Okay, so Amit, it was interesting there because Bill was just sharing with us, you know, this idea of having sensors, for example, all over the place. And it gets me thinking about things like the Internet of Things. Obviously, the cost of all of this stuff has come down as well. I think that goes some way to answering one of the questions I have for you, which is why digital is the right answer to all of these challenges. Um, the challenges that companies like Lendlease are up against. What is the benefit of this multi-layered digital approach? Look, it's a great question. You know, um, when we look at digital, um, you know, if, if I go back, you know, in 2013, Accenture put a report out saying every company or every business is a digital business. And we put out there that if you did a digital transformation, you were going to grow much faster than other organizations. We went back and revisited that in 2021, right in the height of the pandemic, and we saw those organizations did grow two times faster than other organizations that didn't do the transformation. But what we found was during the pandemic, they actually grew five times faster than other organizations because what we found was they were able to flex very quickly with what was happening. So, so digital transformation or having digital technology for me is not about hey, we should do this something in the future. You have to do it now. It's stable stakes. It's kind of level sets you. So when we look at uh, sensors, uh, when we look at IoT devices, we look at watches, wearables and things, they're prevalent everywhere, right? Data has been collected everywhere. It's been collected on your phones, et cetera. So there's a lot of information that real estate organizations like Lendlease can use to really drive how they engage with, with their, not only visitors to their places, because they do, uh, retail, they do uh, corporate offices, they do residential, but really how do they engage with their landlords, et cetera, right? So it's, it's a very different um, space. One of the things that I've always seen is if you take digital the right way, it helps you build a competitive edge in the market. It helps you attract and retain the right talent because, you know, if I look at what my kids do, my kids are all on chat GBT. They use the phone more often than I do. They're, they're up to everything. Um, so you need to be able to attract the right talent and then to drive innovation, you have to scale it in the cloud. So all these things coming together, as Bill was saying, the cost has come down, IoT devices are cheap, they're collecting a lot of content and data and movement. If you combine all those things, it drives immense benefits um, uh, for, for an organization. So you've got to look at technology uh, not as a threat, but really as an opportunity. I find all of this really fascinating, the kind of how... Uh, but what we really need to do in this podcast is we need to do the nuts and bolts, which is, you know, how, how you know, the story of the data, the AI application, uh, why cloud is important, all of this sort of stuff. So let's now get into that part of the conversation. Um, Bill, let's talk about the digital software assets at Lendlease. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, so you're going to bring me up to date here. Okay, Podium. Let's talk about Podium. What is this exactly? Uh, I know that it has different levels. It makes a massive difference, but how is it actually doing this? 
Now, uh, you know, we realized a couple of years ago that in order to solve this ecosystem problem and at the center of things, which is uh, there are a lot of parties have to play, no matter how you look at in the property industry, the, the ability to create a platform. Platforms enable ecosystems to play. And we realize you can't do everything. So the idea that you create a platform that allows other people to bring their technologies in that allows them to play and would would be the only way to do this. So one side, Podium really is for us that, call it that cloud-enabled data platform that allows us to, to really solve two problems. One, how do we allow development to go faster? How do we allow the, the, the developer, the the, the contractors, the architects, the engineers, the suppliers all to come together so you could get a design done and approved and into construction as fast as possible and do it in a way that was affordable. At the same time, we realize that same platform plays once you build a building. So it's a platform that allows the ecosystem that once the building's been built for you to connect all your sensors, all your enterprise systems, all of uh, your data in the building together that you could start to utilize that data, answer questions you couldn't answer before. Like truly, how efficient are your, uh, uh, are your uh, meeting rooms? Are you using them the way you should? Do you have enough? Everybody says you don't have enough, but we never know why. But you really take that, you really want to make sure you're getting the best experiences for people. So the whole point is you're using data analytics and AI to either go faster at generating a building, a design, or you're using data and analytics to essentially make those places better for human beings. Because the building's not about the building. The building's a place for people to come. So either you make people more efficient and work, or you make people more efficient in retail, or you have a happier experience at home. And that's what you've got to do. That's what you've got to bring the data to. So at the end, Podium's that platform. And then we happen to have two products, one aimed at the developer that allows us to go develop things at a faster pace, and one aimed at the operator that's intended to make your place more efficient, whether that's your workspace or your retail space. So for us, the future is, as you said, it's data cloud mobile at the cornerstone of this. It's IoT underlying it. But the real thing you want to do is to get insight into and predictability about predicting how you can build it better or predicting how to use it better. And I'll leave you with one last thing. You know, pre predictability is we know it's going to rain tomorrow. How many people are going to show up in the office when it rains this coming Thursday? How, man how many services do you really want to provide? And so you start to find that the ability to predict is worth a lot of money. And if you can save five or 10% every day just on that predictability and provide a better experience, that's how you get people back in. That's how you get them into a physical mall. So for us, it's predictability. It's the idea that you build better places and you do it in the most efficient way. You get rid of, uh, of all the friction amongst all the ecosystem partners. Because you're touching so many people, so many things, and everything I just talked about, that's been our challenge for the last 40 years. And we haven't cracked that nut yet. But I think we're on the verge of that breakthrough. Yeah, great stuff. Amit, I want to take it to you because we're not just talking about buildings here. As Bill was explaining, we're talking about spaces. People interact in spaces, right? Now, Accenture did this research 
as I understand it, you found that approximately two thirds of both in-store and mobile shoppers believe that technologies and innovations improve their shopping experience. So what I'm curious about is why that information actually has value. Why is it that insights that you help Lendlease Ghana about the people using the spaces that it's creating, why do they make a big difference? Uh, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, uh, hyper-personalization or personalization has been the holy grail of, of marketing, right? Everybody wants to do it. Data becomes the, the key component of driving that. Now, you and I as consumers um, are willing to share data uh, as long as we know it's be used appropriately, but then you're going to give me a better experience. The more better experience you give me, then I'm willing to share more and more data, and and I get, I, and then I feel you are being, you understand me, and you're giving me be- better outcomes. So if I if I kind of bring that to life, it's one of the things we did for Chinese New Year with Len Lease. Len Lease has uh, four big uh, uh, shopping malls um, uh, across uh, Singapore. 313 Somerset, uh, PLQ, et cetera. Uh, so we, we trialed with our ecosystem partner um, uh, a new technology. So how, how do we help lend leases tents who are in the shopping mall? Chinese New Year is the biggest event in Singapore in terms of shopping. Um, how do we help their tenants get people in? give those people an amazing experience so they come back and they go, wow, I was in a lend lease property. I want to be there. And how does the retailer, the tenant, and lend lease make money? Uh, so what we did was we worked with our partner. We did wayfinding. So Google wayfinding you'll be familiar with. Uh, so we gave them the ability to use their phone to find their way into the four malls because it was the year of the rabbit, collect rabbits, so if you remember way back when Pokemon Go was very popular, similar kind of concept, uh, but you're collecting rabbits, you're collecting red envelopes for offers, etc. But you're using your phone. You're going around the mall, you're using your phone, you're using the native capability of your phone. The, the benefit for the, the, the tenant is I'm now attracting people into the, into the mall. Because they're engaged in a digital app on their native phone, they're spending more time. They spend more time, they buy food, they buy drinks, they do shopping. Um, so it re- returns back to, to the form from a Lend-Lease perspective, they become Lend-Lease loyalty members. So Lend-Lease is now understanding more about that consumer and their wallet that they're spending. And they're able to then give even more customized offers. So now we're going to extend that same concept in more of Lend-Lease's malls across the different regions, not just uh, in um, in Singapore, but we're going to do it for Christmas and see how that works. So, so, so just trying to bring that to life. So I think that's why uh, it makes a big impact. Now for Lend-Lease, it helps them keep tenants, retain tenants and track new tenants. It helps their tenants bring in their revenue. And, and, and the feedback we got from the consumers was unbelievable. Like we did focus groups after... Uh, we were amazed that um, the adoption rate was very high. Uh, people loved it. And and we even tested things like, you know, NFTs. People minted some of the uh, the, the rabbits we gave them. <laughs> right? So, you know, it, 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 so I would underestimate the, the, that power of data used in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, now, <laughs> I want to understand what that means to you to have that level of insight 
what kind of value does it give to you? Does that then translate to shareholder value? Because now you're able to say to your shareholders, look, I know my audience so well that I can curate a product that absolutely nails their their desire, their need, whatever it might be. Yeah, so I think we let's you know the benefit if we just talk about you know where the benefits flow, right? And so certainly you know for Len Lisa is a benefit that we believe, uh, but you know the first thing you look at is our customers actually the retail shop shops in here, right? What do, what do we we want to make them successful? The more successful they are, the more successful we are. So a good example of that is. Um, you know, in the first, uh, I think, three days of Chinese New Year, we signed up over 10,000 uh, people onto this, which exceeded our expectation because we didn't know we were going to get five or 50. But when you had over 10,000, you know, it, it becomes really interesting. Uh, the second thing we knew is where they went, right? Because we knew which rabbits they went to. So what what happened was, those 10,000 shoppers went to all four malls. That is unheard of. People usually go to uh, the few that they go to. So now we also know we could say these people showed up. On top of that, Amit, Amit mentioned the red letters. So when you were looking for this, you got offered these red letters. They were offers and 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 free gifts and uh, you know, and that was all from the retailers. So now the retailers are talking to the consumer before they're in the shop. How, how much does that happen? Not a lot unless it came through their own website. So now that local retailer, you know, maybe a big brand, but they knew to go to that shop. They knew what offer they were going to get. And we started to be able to say, look, by giving away these kind of free offers, here's what it did in terms of the traffic into your store, which they could then turn around and value in terms of what they bought. And we did get some really positive numbers on increased sales per person as a result. I think um, the the last thing is we know that they engage, you know, for a certain amount of time. And and as a result, the brand we have in the mall went up in, in increased as well. So I think when you look at that, it starts to give you a differentiation amongst your 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 competitors as to why the best brands in the world want to be in our space because we're providing real experiences we're able to track, and what they want is that data to see, okay, by my engaging with you, the mall owner, I'm also able to drive sales for myself. You know, that's the holy grail. But I think then you asked about shareholders. If you think about this over time, I think it does open up for new business models, right? Because uh, what you're really selling that retailer is uh, foot traffic, is people coming in the mall, is people being driven to your store. Uh, marketing campaigns that make a difference. Well, in a physical world, it's really hard to measure that. What makes Amazon successful is they are able to do it in a digital world. Well, the minute we can provide that digital experience in a physical world, we're starting to match that Amazon capability. And what's that worth to the shareholders and to our business? Well, I think we saw what that's done in the full digital world. I think you can extrapolate and see where we're going with this, which is it starts to change the business models and the interactions uh, going forward. So I, I think while today we're at the leading edge of doing this, I think the reality is if you're going to be a successful retail, physical retail retail, 
in the future. There's no doubt if you're not providing a better experience and offers to your customers that are walking in the door and making your end customer, the retailers more successful, you know, just providing space and a little bit of marketing isn't going to be the answer going forward, right? They want something more. And the new generations, they are expecting a full digital experience. So I think we're at the cusp where you, you, you know, you can, it's sort of like in the early 2000s, they said, I don't need to be online. How did that work out for them? I think tomorrow it'll be, if you don't have this, it'll be hard to compete. So I think for us, it's about defining the future, leading the future, creating new business models. And by the way, delighting the consumer shows up and delighting our customers. And if you do that, by the way, the end result is always a better outcome for the company and for your shareholders. So I, that's the way I, I kind of see where this is going on a retail side. But we've done that in the workplace, and now we're starting to do that with development in a way that all of those different, call it ecosystems, change because of data, analytics, AI, cloud, mobile. That's where we're going. I find that fascinating, particularly when you talk about Amazon as well, because the word that came to my mind was having this sort of hybrid version, you know, which is a, a physical digital hybrid version of your retail experience, whether you are actually, you know, the consumer or whether you are that retail outlet that is operating, right? I want to ask you something slightly different now, because I just want to move this to to some of the other properties that Lendlease has, because obviously Lendlease has malls, but Lendlease is quite widely spread in terms of its property offering. And I think when I have an office, one of the things I want to think about is whether I'm going to choose a space that has lower carbon emissions. For example, I am curious as to how this transition for you is going to start answering those sorts of questions, Bill. Yeah, look, I, I think one of the, the great things about Lendlease, truly one of the, the reasons that um, I love, I really love the company is that uh, it's been doing sustainability for 50 years. The, the founder of the organization, Dick Dusseldorf, talked about triple net back in the 70s. He said, you got to make a profit, but you got to do good socially and you got to do good for the environment. And I think the, the, the thing I'd keep in mind is the bar keeps raising up, right? So in the old days, you go old days, 10 years, 12 years ago, you know, the lights come on and off, tells how many people there, the HVAC systems automated. Okay. That was, you know, at one point that was how you got sustainability. Then, you know, it became, um, so energy efficiency and sustainability were once the same thing. Now it's much more complicated. So you got to now think about the materials that go in. Uh, you, we think about things like how do we get rid of diesel in the construction process? The trade-off in materials concrete versus steel versus wood construction, for example, is, is something that's to be considered. And each one of those has a different positive or negative for sustainability. The problem is so complex. You need to take a million parts in your building and take a look at the sustainability of each one of those parts going forward. That's what, you know, net zero gets you to. Can you do that without technology and data? No, just look at the sheer complexity of what it takes to actually figure it out. And then you add one last thing onto this. When you build a building, every single building in the world is large building is bespoke. They're all different. 
So the uh, you have to be able to put the technology in at a cost-effective rate to manage a bespoke building with hundreds of different suppliers that have a lot of different data and formats coming in. So it's not an easy problem, but I think, again, today we're finally seeing the economics on the technology shift. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're reaping the benefits that were sown by the consumer internet to be able to solve, uh, the enterprise or, or business internet that's necessary in our, in our, uh, in our industry. Well, it certainly gives me hope that we've got a wealth of information to work off to make it better. You need that, right? You need to know where you are to know where you're going. I have to wrap it up shortly. But before I do, Bill, I wanted to ask you, what would be your warning to companies that are trying to make this transition? Yeah, for, in terms of what the most difficult things are, um, I think it comes back to a book, you know, that's pretty famous from the 90s, The Innovator's Dilemma, Clayton Christensen. Uh, that book is still as timely today as it, as it was back then. And I think the premise of the book said that what made you successful in the past is what gets in the way of being able to transform yourself. And um, I think our industry is the poster child for this. What The way we've done things in the past and the way we contract, the way we interact, what how the regulators work are all built on a, a highly manual basis with a lot of mystery built into it unintentionally, but with, therefore with a lot of fault that gets moved down in the process that always ends up with a lot more cost and and concerns in the construction phase. So I think that the this idea of transformation, uh, it's what made you successful is the hardest thing. So one could say, is your culture ready for it? And when you set up this, do you have the talent? And then I think, does it have really the, the right uh, emphasis from the leadership team, not just the CEO, the board, the CEO, the broader leadership team, to help to incubate it. And that was what I think in every industry transformation I've gone through in the last 20 years, that's what differentiated the winners from the losers. And I don't care whether it was a high tech company or the lowest low tech company, they all face this uh, innovator's dilemma. And, and, and I, you know, I, I think when I went into Lenleeds, it's how do you try to address that and help the company come along in it? And I think that's the biggest challenge for anyone wanting to do that. It, Technology is hard, but without the uh, without what you need culturally and support wise, the technology doesn't matter. Um, you know what excites me just in general is look, I, I I really believe strongly in the sustainability, but I I go back to ESG and I would not forget the social aspect of this. And I think when you talk about the social aspect, when you look at the end customer, and Manisha, you said it. These places are about people. We're not building places to build places. We we have to build better places, which is our tagline, for, for people. At the end, put the person into it. Once you think about that, you know, what do they want? Well, they want something that's affordable. So you have to deliver something that's that that is going to allow people to lead a very decent, uplifting life. You've got to bring technology into it to give them experiences. And quite honestly, they get on their cell phones. So why can't the whole house or the whole retail environment or the whole office space act accordingly? And then the last thing I'd say is they want to feel they're doing a better job for the planet. So you've got to make all three of those work. And I think the good news is that 
the technology actually can help us. It's going to solve this. Better data and insights will set you free. I think the the thing that's going to that's going to get in our way coming back to where you started is our data is often in jail. And the idea that you can unlock it in a way that's safe and secure and you're protecting people's identity, we got to do that. But at the same time, if we unlock it, I think we're going to unlock human potential in the places we build. And we're going to make sure we solve some of the big, sticky societal issues. That's what really drives me. Affordable housing that's sustainable, that provides a, a unique experience that is, is equal for everyone. Who doesn't want to work on that? Yeah, God, you got me fired up. I get what you're saying. And you just have that inroad into people's lives and, and making a difference positively like this. I can see why that is so enthralling. Bill has just raised it. And I think it's a really good point is, you know, data is locked up. So there is this conversation around making sure that data is secure. You know, if you've got people running around looking for rabbits in four malls, those people might turn around and say, well, now you know all these things about me. How do I know that all that information you have about me is safe? So I wonder if you have a warning about that. And then what is the single most exciting positive aspect of this conversation? It's critical that you manage your data well. And if you're sharing it with an enterprise, that, that enterprise has a real responsibility to, to securely manage your data. So uh, at, at the end of the day, as the example I was giving with the, with the, with the rabbits, the the value exchange for the consumer was was very, very good for them in terms of the offers they were getting and the experience they were getting. That's why they were willing to share that data. But we as organizations that are collecting that have a responsibility to use the data in context, that's really, really important. You might collect data for a reason, but when you use it out of context is where things go wrong. So using it in the right context and why you collected it is really, really important. The other part is you have, as an enterprise, that responsibility to properly store that data. Now, with you know, living in Australia, with the recent data breaches we've had in Australia, I'm always cautious now when I fill out a loyalty card with the, with a shop, etc. What information I give them when when they ask me, I will give you a name, email, etc. Okay, when they ask me for date of birth, I'm going, why do you need my full date of birth? So, so as a consumer, you also have that responsibility to check what, what you're sharing, but it's really important. The other thing is, I always say this to all my clients, regardless of the industry they're in, just because technology can do something, you need to take a step back and say, should you do it? And is it responsible use, use of the technology and the data? Those are the fundamentals, right? If you live by those, then you're only going to do good. Uh, for your employees and your consumers or your customers. Your second question, what excites you? It's the flip side, right? What really excites me is the real opportunity we have with generative AI. Yes, there's a lot of guardrails we have to follow, but I'm really excited that there's an opportunity with generative AI to really help us rethink how we create spaces, how do we create product in a more sustainable and reusable manner? I think that we as humans have been very wasteful. I think AI can teach us how to kind of be a little bit more respectful of our resources, using them more sustainably and reusably. That's what I'm excited about. I think that's a great opportunity. Uh, everyone goes with Gen AI about you know operational efficiency. I'm excited about the 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 the, uh, uh, the positives it can add uh, to to our society. 
that's it from me brilliant it's been great thank you both for your time i have kept you glued to your seats for a while but it's been a really enjoyable conversation you know i actually live in singapore i am going to walk around with new eyes spotting <laughs> which company has actually built the mall i can tell you that i have been to those malls so that's good isn't it i feel like i qualify for the conversation um but i haven't had the opportunity of chasing rabbits so whatever you've got lined up for chinese new year next year do let me know uh it just leaves me time to thank you both thank you thank you bill for your precious time and good luck with all of your endeavors obviously you have mountains to climb but you seem to be climbing them just fine and amit uh as being the support in this uh i am sure that you will continue to have great lessons and experiences and i'm glad you're both excited about the future. Thank you again to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of Enterprise Transformation. If you have any feedback or questions about this podcast or the topics that we have discussed today, you can contact us. All you have to do is go to accenture.com forward slash technology. This podcast is produced by EI Studios, the custom content division of Economist Impact. I'm Anisha Tank. Thank you and goodbye.